The following pre-recorded program is paid for by Carla Swanigan Ministries. Get ready to experience and receive the grace you long for from the heart of God. Welcome to Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan. Carla is a wife and mother, international speaker, minister, and engaging storyteller known for her transparency with an impactful testimony of how God has transformed her own life. Her desire is to connect you with the heart of God and the truth of how he truly loves and sees you. If you're hurt, if you're broken, if you yearn for God's love and acceptance, let the healing begin. Now, here's Carla Swanigan. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Scandalous Grace, where we leave religion out of it and just bring Jesus. I'm Carla Swanigan, and I'm so glad you're joining us today on the show. I'm super excited to have an amazing woman, author, awesome person here today. Angela D is with us in the studio today and she wrote an amazing book um, that I endorsed and I'm so proud to um, know her. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. Angela's purpose is to encourage others who are facing life struggles to find healing. Her life motto is be brave, dream big, an author, speaker, and teacher. She's dreamed of writing a book since childhood a proud mother of three her background in teaching and nursing care has helped with the many hats that she wears angela has recently entered the empty nest which has allowed her to reignite her passions of creating jewelry writing and travel angela enjoys all the outdoor activities in her home state of colorado where she has lived for 42 years and you can connect with angela d at angela d.life And also author Angela D at gmail.com. Angela, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I am thrilled to have you. And um, Angela's book is Voiceless, A Mother's Journey Raising a Son with Significant Needs. And it's all about your son Spencer's story. It is. And I was so moved when, um, and I call you Angie. Just from knowing you all these years, um, when when you first sent me the, I guess it's the manuscript before it was um, finished in the book, and you sent it to me to read and endorse. I remember being so moved at just not just the words on the page, but the feeling I got when I read it. Because when I read this book, I what I feel come out of the story. So many things, but the thing that really leapt off the page in almost a tangible way was courage, the courage that you had. And um, that's why I love your motto so much about, you know, being brave and living brave, because I feel like that is Spencer's story and also your story and um, just your mother's heart Um in this story, I, I cannot recommend this book enough. You guys, um, it is amazing. You can get it at amazon.com. I'm sure. Yeah, it's on amazon.com. Um, Barnes and Noble.com. You can also get it on my website and, uh, it is in the tattered cover bookstores in Denver and Lodo and Aspen Grove. And, um, yeah. Well, um, I just can't recommend it enough, especially as a mom, as a Christ follower, as a woman, um, there's so many lessons to be learned from your story and from Spencer's story. But take us back a little bit 
to when the whole story started for our listeners in chapter one, you kind of mentioned the calm before the storm. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your family and Spencer before he got sick, before all this kind of life changing stuff happened? Yeah. So we were pretty much just kind of your normal suburbia family and the kids were in the local charter school. Um, we went to church every Sunday, uh, the kids were involved in their activities. My daughter was very much into animals already at three. Wow. Um, Spencer was very sports-oriented. Everything was about sports, trading cards, um, superheroes. And then Evan was just more um, into computers and um, motorbikes. Mm-hmm. And so we had a very busy household, and it was just um, – we had just – gotten back from our first family vacation out of the country. We went to Mazatlan in 2000 in February. Um, and June is when Spencer got sick. So they were three, six, and eight at the time. Okay. And so Spencer was six, mm-hmm. right? And so what what kind of started happening? Give us a little bit of of what happened that made you realize that he was sick. So we had just moved. Um, we had built kind of our dream home out on some acreage in Castle Rock. And uh, we were going to a wedding, uh, just kind of getting out of town. It had been a stressful time. And my husband stayed home to work, so I took the kids with my um, parents. And Spencer just started showing some flu-like symptoms uh, at first. And um, once he had his first seizure, about, I would say, five days into that flu-like then we realized that we had a neurological problem. Um, so he got, we were in Colby, Kansas at the time. So he had a full workup there. Um, they didn't find anything wrong with him at the time. So they thought maybe he was developing epilepsy, which some kids do mm-hmm. as their brains are growing and changing. So that's what we came home with. Um, but within two weeks' time from the time he kind of got sick until he went into the hospital. For the last time, we were kind of back and forth. Um, he basically neurologically declined from a normal six-year-old to an infant level. Within two weeks? Within two weeks, yeah. Wow. So, And as a, as a parent, I mean, in, in the book, you go into it in greater detail, obviously. Um, but I remember reading that part of the book when all that was happening. It's so scary as a parent knowing that something's going on with your kids and not being able to fix it. You know, and that's probably one of the biggest frustrations. I know that my son, Zachary, totally different situation, but he got suddenly sick when he was two and a half and he went from having like a cold and I took him to the doctor several times to me being at the emergency room in the middle of the night and then saying, you know, he has pneumonia and it just seemed like it happened so fast. And the next thing I know, we're in children's and ICU and they're talking about you know, a strep on his lung and, mm. and maybe having to remove his lung and all this stuff was happening really fast. And, and I remember how helpless I felt and how frightened I was. And I wasn't even walking with the Lord, you know, at that point in my life, I had been saved when I was a little girl and I knew the Lord, but I wasn't, I wasn't going to church. I didn't have any church community, but I remember even in that moment, being so scared and confused and not, and that was the biggest thing is not being able to fix it. Right. And even in that moment, I cried out to the Lord 
you know, even after all those years of, of not talking to him and not praying and, um, it's, it's crazy how it comes back to you in, in, in the heat of the moment, God's right there for you. Did you feel his presence even in that unknown time, not knowing what was going on? Oh, absolutely. The first seizure he had in the swimming pool, my dad said something's really wrong with Spencer. I ran over, got him out of the pool. I have a special ed background, so I knew it was a grand mal seizure. But um, when we got to the hospital and they rushed him back to the ER, um, I went, I <laughs> I basically had run out with my, my swimsuit on. I put, you know, a dress over it. So I went into the bathroom to change, and I basically just fell to my de- knees and said, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I know you have this. And mm. um, what was so cool is that the doctor from the ER came out and asked me if I, he said, I see a cross around your neck. Um, if you would like, I can have a local pastor come pray with you. Wow. So by the time I walked out of the bathroom, they were there. It was a local pastor and his son. And we just stood in the ER waiting room and in a circle with my parents and prayed. And it was just it, it just calmed me mm-hmm. to know that God's in control, even though I have no idea what's going on yeah. um, with my son. So, And there were so many situations like that where God just showed up. Isn't it crazy how faithful he is and how we can see the evidence of that? Like you just said, the pastor and his son were, were right there when you came out, and that's no coincidence. That's a total God taking care of it for you yeah. kind of moment. And it was the same for me with, with Zachary. I, I cried out. And just ask God to help me. And John, my husband's mom, was a woman of prayer. And she got like a whole prayer chain on her own, just started calling people and got a prayer chain started immediately when he got admitted into the ICU. And they covered us in prayer for the next several months while he was in the hospital and just going through all this infection. And I really saw God move on my behalf and on Zachary's behalf and just feeling his presence even when I wasn't walking with him. And that's something that I reflect on. I don't know about you, Angie, but I reflect on like, wow, I wasn't even walking with the Lord and he was there anyway. Yes. <laughs> Cause he's so faithful. Yes. So you guys are in the hospital and you're, and you're going through this time. Let's, let's move ahead to when it took some time, but they finally figured out what was going on with Spencer. Can you kind of bring us up to that part of the story and kind of just set the yeah, so um, he was in the hospital basically for um, a week before they decided it was probably viral encephalitis. So basically what happens with that is uh, his immune system was already low because he had had a strep infection for several, actually about two months before that, mm. and um, been on three doses of antibiotics. And uh, so whatever got into his body, whatever virus got into his body, the blood-brain barrier because his immune system was low. Most of the time, our bodies fight fight it off. Okay. But um, because his immune system was low, it crossed the blood-brain barrier, got into his brain, and then the virus just went crazy and, and caused global brain damage. So that happened over the course of, he was in the hospital for two months um, that summer. Wow. Um, and it just kind of progressed week by week. Um and so we went in with a semi-normal six-year-old and sure. came out with a severely disabled child who, who needed to be 24-7 care. He's too fed in a wheelchair, um, couldn't eat anymore, you know, talk, 
communicate with us. So yeah, very devastating. Yeah. Everything, like you said, completely changed Mm -hmm. in that time. Um, you know, as we're talking about this, just talking about kids being in the hospital and parents and, and all of that, that you go through in the book when a child is chronically ill and in the hospital for such a long period of time, it can be super stressful for the family that, that you totally experienced and you know what that's like, you know, for the mother and father who are listening right now, maybe at children's hospital here in Denver or anywhere across the country that might have um, a child that is ill and they, they do know what's wrong. And maybe there's some parents that are in those early stages that they don't have a diagnosis and they're not sure what's going on with their kids. What advice would you have for them right now in that moment that they're in? There's so much, but um, first of all, I would say, um, even if you're not a believer, but get on a prayer chain. Mm-hmm. That is so important. Get people behind you and praying for you because at those moments when you don't even know what to pray for anymore yeah, or you're so inundated with their care, you just need the backup, you know, of people mm-hmm. know that they have your back, um, that they're praying for you. Secondly, I would say you are the CEO of your child's health. Nobody's going to care about their health as much as you do. Yeah. So make sure you ask as many questions as you need to, to get clarity with the doctors or the medical community. Um, and I would also say when you're talking to the medical community, do it outside of your child's hospital room mm. because that affects them. You may not even realize you're in yeah, there talking, I never would have thought about that. but even with Spencer being nonverbal, mm-hmm. um, he would throw tantrums every time we started talking in the hospital room. So I started realizing he's so sick of hearing this. He's probably so just annoyed by this whole situation. So I would take them out into the hallway and we pretty much had to put a sign on the door um, that that's what we were going to do is discuss all medical stuff outside. Um, That's really smart, Angie. I never would have, that would never have occurred to me, but that's a really good point. It's kind of like bringing bringing the post-traumatic stress up over and over and over again because you're you're repeating oh, the yeah. story, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, and it's so, affecting the atmosphere. I'm absolutely. Sure, you know, which is a big thing that we talk about a lot here on the show is really bringing God's kingdom atmosphere wherever you go. So right. I can imagine that that was affecting the atmosphere. Yeah. And then I would say get a group of people. We would not leave Spencer in the hospital alone because of his condition. So if you can have start getting people to come in and do some shifts for you, um, whether it be family, friends, um, whoever your support group is, people from church or whatever. um, So you can have some normal time. I needed some normal time with my other two children. Mm -hmm. They were also kind of like, what's going on? You know, yeah. we didn't want to tell them a whole lot until we knew more. So um, we tried to make our time at home with them as normal as possible. Um, so, yeah, you just need to not be afraid to ask for help. Yeah, that's good. Get people behind you. And, and, and then have somebody else manage all the emails, all the phone calls, so you're not spending a lot of your time doing that when you should be with your, your child or your children mm-hmm. at home. Yeah, that's really good advice. Those are the things off the top of my head. (laughs) So 
Much of the book is about Spencer and his story, but the other component throughout the book, it's woven so beautifully throughout the book, which is another one of my favorite things about your story and Spencer's story. The other component is the faith journey through all the crisis and the chaos. And, you know, I just wanted to say, did you have some aha God moments that were turning points for you and and what were those? And, you know, what did that look like? And how did you get through? How did you stay strong? You know, what were your God moments? Oh, there were so many times when I wasn't strong. But <laughs> you have to get back up, as you know. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite verses is Romans 5, 3. And it's, um, it's all about perseverance. It's rejoice in your suffering because perfect perseverance um, develops your character. Mm. And character moves into hope. So I don't know how you rejoice in your suffering. Yeah. (laughs) But I know that it has built my character. I keep saying, Lord, I don't need any more character. But (laughs) (laughs) you're like, I'm I'm good. (laughs) Thanks, God. Yeah. Um, But I I understand that verse a lot more now than I did 10 years ago. But aha moments. There's so many. Um, I would say the first aha moment I had was I was on my knees in the children's garage parking lot and I had lost it. It was after about 10, no, I'd say about three weeks of all this. Wow. And I'm like, Lord, I'm at my limit. Like I am way over my limit and, uh, you got to do something here because mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to do. Um, and that was kind of the first time when I felt like God said, you need to start writing things down because I'm going to ask you to write a book at some point. Wow. So that's when I started. And of course I'm like, really? <laughs> you yeah. know, because I was so weak and exhausted at that point, mm-hmm. but um, I was obedient and I started writing things down and audio taping on the way home from hosp- the hospital and, and so forth. But um, so that was one aha moment. I've had so many more uh, about three years in, you know, as you can imagine in grief, in the anger stage, a lot of people walk away from the Lord. And I had, I never really walked away. I had him at arm's length, but I was very angry. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? You haven't done what I've wanted you to do with this child. So right. I'm going to walk away and I'm going to do whatever I can in my human power to make him better. So for three years, we chased all kinds of therapies and, um, you know, tried to get him better because they said what what you can actually do in a year, what you have in a year after the brain damage is what you'll have, like, long term. Okay. So it was, we were kind of trying to chase all these um, cures. Mm-hmm. After about three years of doing that, I lost it. I was on my face in my office crying, just saying, all right, I give it all back to you because I, I've done everything in my human power. And that's when I resurrendered my life because... I knew I was going down the wrong path and that that was my only, that was my only hope, you know? So, um, and he picked it up from that point on and things started getting better. Um, but I've, there'd be times when I would go down to the train tracks and just scream at him because I was so upset. Yeah. Frustrated. And then I would come back and feel guilty, of course, but then, you know, God in his mercy and grace, he's like, I can, I can handle it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He, um, he tells me that a lot. He's like, listen, you can't scare me off. You know, when I, 
I'm having my moments with him. And it's like you said, I do. I know that David in the Psalms poured it all out and said whatever he was feeling and just really let it rip, you know, and still it says he was a man after God's own heart. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I know that I just feel like God really values our, our authenticity in our relationship with him. And it's like you said, he can handle whatever we have to say or whatever we're going through. He knows we're thinking it anyway. Right. Right. And so to, to give it to him, it, it gives us so much relief, but I think at the same time, sometimes we, we do feel guilty or ashamed for, for letting it out. But I don't think those feelings come from the Lord. I think he's glad that, you know, we gave it to him. Yes. It, it reminds me of that scripture. My yoke is easy and my burden is light, mm-hmm. you know, cause he, he wants to exchange that with us. He didn't want you carrying all that. He knew that that was impossible for you. Right. You know, and I'm sure you felt a shift. After you re gave all that back to him after all those years of carrying it on your own, Mm -hmm. um, you know, for the mom or dad that's out there right now in a situation and it may not even be with the health of their child, it may be something different, but they feel like there's no way out. They can't fix it. You know, it feels hopeless to them. What would you say to that person listening right now? There is a way out. Um, and you know, another one of the scriptures that I love is faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see. You have to have blind faith. God is good all the time. Mm-hmm. And all the time, God is good. We may not think, we may not think that, but, um, and everything is temporary. Usually it's not going to last forever. So, um, you, you just have to go back to the word and believe what it says and, have those moments with the Lord where you just lay it all out there yeah, and he will meet you wherever you are at. He will. And he loves you so much. Yeah. Amen. He does. Um, you know, I just wanted to ask you all these years, um, of dealing with all this with Spencer, you know, like how's he doing today? Can you just give us a current update on Spencer and, and how he's doing today before we close? Yes, he's actually doing okay. He's had some bouts this year with some illness. Um, but overall, he now lives in a group home with his peers. Um, I see him about three or four times a week. Uh, I was just over there the other day giving him a massage. He loves his massages and a haircut. Mm-hmm. Um, but he seems very content uh, with his uh, daily life. You know, he goes to day programmer every day. Um, comes back, has time with his kind of new family, his peers that he lives with. He lives in a residential neighborhood in Centennial. That's cool. Um, And he's become very um, bonded with the nurses that care for him. Uh, But it's also nice that when I go, my time with him is quality time. It's not me being the full-time caregiver anymore because I had to go back to work. Um, So um, overall, he's doing really well. That's awesome. And how about your other kiddos? How are they doing? They're trying to be young adults. My daughter's a junior at CSU, and um, she's in equine sciences, so everything for her is horses. (laughs) And then my son's working in Oregon. He lives in Oregon. He just turned 26. and um, So they're figuring it out. That's so good. Well, like I said, throughout your book, you can see, um, even through all the hard times, through the confusion, through the stress and the chaos, you can see God's hand 
strengthening you and guiding you guys and, and, and speaking to you and protecting you. And I just love the inspiration that you are, Angela, because like I said, anybody that reads this book comes away. So I was so inspired to, to be strong and courageous. And even in my weakness, I remember that he is strong because that's what you did throughout the book. You admitted your weakness and said, listen, I need help. And, and he met you there. And I think that's a great, incredible message. Everything about Spencer's story is incredible and inspiring. And so I just encourage everybody listening to get Angela D's book, voiceless Spencer's story. And you can get it on all the places we mentioned earlier in the show at Amazon and on Angie's website, author Angela D at gmail.com and Angela D at Angela D life, Angela D dot life. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I just want to pray for you as we close. I pray for everybody listening for healing in their bodies and for moms and dads that have sick kiddos to have peace and to have a support group and encouragement and to remember that they are not alone, that God is with them. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. Remember you guys leave religion out of it and just bring Jesus. We hope you were blessed by today's episode of scandalous grace with Carlos Wanigan. Please go to carloswanigan.com to listen to podcasts, see where Carla will be speaking, and to find out about all of Carla Swanigan Ministries' resources, including her video devotional series. Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan is a listener-supported radio ministry outreach. We depend on your prayers and donations. Please go to carlaswanigan.com for ways you can partner with Carla in reaching listeners with God's love and grace. Please join us again next Saturday at 4 p.m. for Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan.